N-Y-Y-S-T This is New York Yankee Sports Talk Swinging for the fences Knock it out the park This is New York Yankee Sports Talk Christian and Chris Of course SGR This is New York Yankee Sports Talk Call me New York Yankee Sports Talk Record rain and shine Grab your shades and umbrellas N-Y-Y-S-T You're hanging with the fellas Alright, welcome back this is episode 343 of the MIST podcast. Uh, Christian is on vacation at Fire Island, and it's just uh, me and SGR. What's up, man? What up? What up? So we're in like a weird spot. I was thinking about this before. We're not too far past the deadline. They didn't have any days off for us to record. Usually, even if they don't have a day off, like a Wednesday or Thursday, uh, they'll play like a day game, like a getaway day. Mm-hmm. None of that. That's been all night game. So here we are. We're not we're not live. It's a premiere uh, on MIY News TV. Please like this video. Subscribe to the channel. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five star rating and review. Let's just get through all of this real quick. Um, first thing is we are doing a live show. It's not an event. We're doing a live show August 19th for the game at one o'clock against the Red Sox at Lido's restaurant in North Arlington. Be there. It's going to be a, it's going to be a fun day. I'm yeah, actually Pete showing up. He's coming all the way from awesome. fucking the hours and hour drive that he lives. In, I think Virginia. I don't know. Who knows? Man. He lives sometimes he's in Pete. New York. Um, for Pete, huh? Yeah, man. And it's going to be a great event. Also, our um, our event at the stadium, September 23rd. Make sure you get tickets there. And uh, before we started, SGR and I uh, were talking. We want to just we want to give Pete some credit, man, for that 24 hour show. I mean, what a friggin' I was ho- like, I was really busy that day and I just planned on tuning in real quick. And I, and I talked to Pete the night before that I wanted to join him for a little bit mm-hmm. when I could, and I just couldn't stop watching it. He, he just did an awesome job. Right? I found, I was so engaged with it. Him and, and Jira did an, an amazing job. Uh, she was right there along with him the yeah, whole man. time behind the scenes doing awesome, awesome work. Like, honestly to do that for 24 hours and it was actually funny because you joined you joined it which was an awesome segment that like ended the first part right you went up until that three o'clock yep. time slot and you know it's funny i was leaving a couple voicemails here and there as you know cashman uh who else i did a little joe Namath. Namath was Namath <laughs> was hilarious because i don't think funny. anyone's heard your name really before and i did that i couldn't care less about, about the struggling. struggling. that's it. if you want to look that up just type that phrase in joe Namath. it's a, that's that that's the interview that got me into wanting to do an impression of Namath. but the best part was right i i fell asleep with it on i just kept it on all night and i woke up at like i don't know 3 3 30 in the morning and he and Pete's on and he's just like, man, they I some he's I think it was bad dogs. The guy's name is another guy who does like 24 yeah, yeah. hour streams. And he's like, man, bad dog said the last four hours are going to be tough. And I'm like half asleep <laughs> and he keeps bringing he's saying and it, it, that, that that's got to be the that home stretch has to be tough. I'm like, let me just give him one final call and at three thirty in the morning. I called him as Garrett Cole singing um, Rainbow Connection. <laughs> 
So that was fun, but man, what an awesome, awesome job by Pete. We raised how much money doing that? He raised, they raised how much? Like I think it was like five. I think did some someone was matching. Yeah, whatever was raised. Right, and it was like a five thousand dollar match. I don't know, man. The first goal he he had set was a couple grand, and he hit that in like a couple hours. So yeah, and what and what was that cause for? The Underground Railroad. Yeah. I think that's yeah. like a connection with the sound of freedom and the kids being trafficked that no one cares about, apparently. And uh, oh, it does. We do over here at NYU. You know, so I was awesome. Awesome job. So I got to give uh, props there. Yeah, for sure. So back to what I was saying, we're kind of in like a middle ground because I feel like. I'm sure it's every show. I'm sure our show benefits more than others because we are extremely critical on this team. But like when when the Yankees are either the here's here's the three the three different phases of doing a podcast during the season. They could either be doing extremely good like last year starting out 40 and 15 or whatever it was and and everyone's going crazy and everyone's on the Yankee train and everyone's feeling great and our show's numbers are through the roof. And then you have the regular, you know, they're just in a good, you know, winning series here and there, not really going on any crazy stretches. They're just kind of, they're showing up, doing what they got to do, taking care of business. And that's more like along the lines of a 95 win team, what you expect. And the numbers aren't as good, right? The, there's no polarization. Everyone's kind of just expecting it. They don't need their Yankee content to like vent or anything, and they don't really need it to hear how great they're doing. It's just the Yankees are showing up as the Yankees. And those are when the numbers usually plateau a little bit. Mm -hmm. But then there's another extreme, (laughs) and that's when the team is extremely imploding. And I got to be honest, we had a big uptick. Obviously, we saw them go crazy last year and play well in the beginning. And I think we can compare that now to this end of the extreme of how bad they're imploding because they haven't played this bad since we started this podcast. And Mm -hmm. the numbers from when they're playing like this, I think outweigh the numbers of when they're playing really well. Right. So I think that when they're imploding, people need more Yankee content because they need uh, an outlet. And and so I was like, damn, after this deadline, after this failure, I wanted to get on, but it's just, we didn't, again, the schedule just didn't work out. Mm-hmm. So now we're in limbo a little bit because they won last night. They looked really good. We're recording this before the first game of the Houston series. They looked really good last night. They, they actually clicked. Yeah. And so I think fans are kind of not over the deadline. I don't think they're over hearing how piss poor and incompetent this front office is. But I think we're in more of a phase now where we're all numb. I think we're just in a place where if this team continues to play the way they did last night, we could get back to a point where we're on the upswing, where they're a game out of the wild card. And if they come out and get swept by the Astros, we're back to the other end of the extreme where this team's back to being seen as imploding. Mm-hmm. 
I think we're clinging to every little thing possible. Like that win last night, we're clinging to it right now. It's just one win. It was still a shitty series, but you had your ace on the mound. The team, the offense finally showed up for him, right? Yeah, and they've they've picked apart Shane McClanahan, which was a good thing. They 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 do pretty okay against McClanahan. He came in with like a three ERA. He left with a three point three. ERA. So they they got to him. I love that, you know, Cole gave up those two runs early and then of course he locks it down. I think what, Dude, he's been so good. He's just been so good through five pitches in one of those innings. Um but then he didn't come back out. That was a little interesting. I did like though that he kind of is kind of he's creating a rapport with Ben Rortbet. This is the second straight start where uh, Big Ben was behind yeah. the plate. So, and he looked he looks pretty good behind there, man. Might have been I think this was his third to be honest. Third? Third? All right. Well, you know, it, it seems like they're they're together you know they're together yeah he now. likes them right um so it's just i mean what was that stat was that you or christian sent that today games after a loss yeah Eric katie Cole sharp tweeted that i believe nine and oh yeah which I mean, is if that's if that's not an ace what i'm is? glad you brought that up because my biggest cr- criticism of cole over the last couple of years has been comparing him to CC like Mm -hmm. CC was always the stopper, right? The ace is the guy who comes out no matter how bad your team's playing and he fucking gets the job done. And Garrett Colton in the regular season, I mean, again, we, we have to differentiate between regular season Cole and postseason Cole last year. He was terrible in the regular season for what you expect out of him last year. Those boxes that you are supposed to check as, as an ace, right. he wasn't really checking all the boxes. He would, he would have flares of an ace and look, right. I mean, don't get me wrong. Comparatively to the, to the league. Sure. He was as good as, as, you know, a top flight pitcher, but that ace is a whole nother level. To yeah. Be it is. The, the, the guy at the top who can come in, who can stop a, a losing streak, who can build off of a winning right. streak, who can give them innings. Right. Didn't, wasn't that another set? He has the most innings pitched. Yeah. Something like yeah. that. Like, Which is are, shocking. Yeah. I was very shocked by that. Not even because of him, but because of the amount of games where he's come out of the game. Uh, you in know, the sixth inning. Less than 100 pitches in the sixth. Yeah. Or, well, or even before. that's where he, that was the final box he really had to tick. And mm-hmm. it, it's fucking checked as checked as it can be because nine, you know, at following a Yankee loss with like a two low twos ERA. Something in the twos. I think it was two two something two two nine maybe I don't know, but Justin in just point one nine two point one nine yeah incredible yeah I mean, come on and uh, you know that's what that's what this team needs even when it's not following a loss this guy has just been unbelievable the offense just really hasn't showed up at all for him at least over the last handful of starts. No, so that's where it was nice, a nice change of pace in yesterday's game that they did kind of come back for him. You know, he's down early and they they stomp right back. So, like, there was a lot to feel good about. Yeah. Last night. And I yeah. don't going into the series. That was definitely a bright spot. You don't want to get get swept going into a series against Houston. So and then the, and the fashion that they won certainly boosts you a little. Yeah. Bit. And like, I don't know. My biggest takeaway, unfortunately, is. How much of not having Rizzo batting third or fourth mm. played into that? I mean, yeah, this guy a has point, been dude. a fucking black hole. It, black it's, hole son. it's been in, it's been incredible how bad he's been. 
And you don't hate the guy. I mean, we say it how many times the, this dude's a Yankee and like it's weird to feel that way about a guy who's only been here a couple of years, but he just fits so well. And, and unfortunately, once again, with another superstar, we're getting the, the back end of his career, which is coming earlier than most players because of that injury he dealt with with his back. Yeah. And then he dealt with the injury with against who was it? The Padres when it yes, when, with uh, Fernando Tatis Tatis uh, went into neck. first base and yeah. he never came back the same. And that that's where it that's where he it's different with him. It's, you know, with some guys, it's like, is he regressing? Is this just who Anthony Rizzo is? But it was so fast and so sudden because he was one of the best offensive players in baseball those first two months. Yeah. And then like the flip of a switch, man, he just totally turned into the Anthony Rizzo that we're seeing now. And so I, I was just thinking about it like, okay. Everyone knows. I think everyone's on board now with how incompetent Brian Cashman is. And, and, and we don't have to beat a dead horse. I mean, it, it was so bad, this trade deadline, to do what they did and to not have a vision. And like there's reports and stuff, and Pete had something and he tweeted it. So I'm going to say it. Um, you know, he's hearing that that Cashman did want to sell off some pieces and how didn't want him to. And it's like, this is another instance now within six months, six to eight months of how being on a different page than, than Cashman. When you go back to the judge stuff, right? Cashman seemed yep. to be like he was getting in the way and now, and Hal had to step in and now it's like, he's on a different page going into this deadline and it's, you just have to ask yourself, like, why is Cashman still here? What is it? It doesn't seem like they're even on the same page yeah. anymore. And, and these aren't like little problems, right? Like these are these are future deciding factors. You know, getting giving Aaron Judge a contract that's a, a decade's worth of ball games. You know, making a trade deadline move—that's the difference, maybe between winning a World Series and you know, not even making the postseason. Right. So. I was trying to think like, why, why is this guy sticking around? And my, my big thing is always back to, he's been there since the eighties. It's more of a family there, but I I'm, I'm thinking here. When, when was the first year you would say, look, Brian Cashman has been the general manager for the New York Yankees since 1998. But I would say there was a year where he became the true voice of the Yankees. And what, what year might you say that was 2016? Exactly. It was 2016 was the year where he finally took the reins. Right. So this year he signs a four year extension, right? When does that extension expire after what season? He signed it this past year, right? Yeah, so, so he'll have 23, 20... 24, 25 and 26. Right. So 26, 2026 to 2016, that's a 10-year span. Right. This might be a 10-year deal in place. Give me a 10-year plan and we'll we'll see where we're at. So I, I'm thinking maybe this is, you know, his his the reason he's staying put so much is because he needs that time to really have his vision be executed the right way. And four years isn't enough time, six years isn't enough time, but 10 years, if you give me a 10 year plan, I will turn this franchise around. And I think that might be the, the, the motivation behind Brian Cashman right now. I'd look, it's complete theory, but I come on, man, a businessman in the eighties, you, you, 
you start with? What's your, what's, where do you see this? Where do you see your future in 10 years? What's your 10 year plan? Right. So that, that could be something that they're doing right now. Yeah. But here's the, here's the problem with that theory. Mm -hmm. And it's debunking me, bro. I'm debunking a little. Okay. Okay. Here's, here's my biggest issue. You had a guy and, and I, and this is why I don't blame Brian Cashman as much as I blame, um, as much as I blame Hal in this sense, mm-hmm. Cashman was a very successful general, general manager. I don't care what anyone wants to say. People don't want to give him credit for the dynasty. I, I'm not saying you have to. I understand that a lot of other people played a role in building that team, Stick Michael, everything. But Cashman made his name in an environment with an owner where, and I don't know what year the luxury tax was actually implemented, mm-hmm. but it was, I believe it was fairly new. Um, but he made his name in an environment where it was, here's what I need. It's actually 1996 was the first. Really? One, it, yeah, it was, it was, uh, but maybe first agreement the, stated that the top five salary teams in each year would pay a 34% fine on each dollar a team spent beyond halfway between the salaries of the fifth and sixth team. So it, it was, it's definitely been heavily revised. I think in 2006, <laughs> it was, um, it was changed to thresholds, you know, where yeah, that was there's more 30, consequences. 40. Yeah. Now. So it became, it certainly became more, much more compl- complex within the last right and 10 to 15 years. So you had George Steinbrenner throwing money at everybody, right? And 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 Brian Cashman was good at that. He was good at getting the guy. He was good at convincing the player, he, you know, beyond the money that this is the place you want to be. And he had good relationships with other general managers. Now, remember, every other team except for one, I think the Nationals maybe, in the last however many years have all gotten new GMs and Cashman. And, and I believe the nationals GM is, are the only ones that are still in place. And this is a different hmm. environment now. So he builds this team. They win a world series in 2009. It was a great team. And then they were back and forth a little bit. George is sick. Yeah. George dies. Now you have these guys on big contracts like a rod to Shara. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mo's on his way out, Jeter's on his way out, and it's like, okay, 2016 rolls around, and this is the first time the Yankees find themselves in a spot where these contracts are really weighing them down, and it's time to rebuild. For the first time since George is gone, they haven't had to do this. They've been successful. Hal's in charge, and Brian Cashman's the man to do it. It's a completely different ballgame now. We're going to stay under the luxury tax. So you have to spend this money wisely. We can go out and get big names like Derek Cole eventually. Um, you know, we can sign Judge after we call him up and he I- explodes. We can give big contracts to him. We can get guys like Rodon here and there. But with this luxury tax now, it, it takes a different person than the guy who Brian Cashman was back in the day to build a team 
So let's say let's say this: the luxury tax might have been in place since 1996. The Yankees didn't care about the luxury tax until about Correct. 2016. So that's when it became a thing for the New York Yankees, right? And so now Brian Cashman went from a guy who can just get whoever needs to be gotten, right? To we need to allocate this money yeah, properly, be methodical with it, right? And and in the meantime. We also have to rebuild something Cashman's never done before. And you can clearly see that because he doesn't know how to handle prospects. He doesn't know how to nurture guys in the minor leagues. He doesn't know when to trade them or when to call them up. And we're watching a team and and it's sad. The saddest part is that we can see this somehow and no one else can. And it's like, it's like, okay, you want to get maybe that your theory of the 10 year plan is what he's selling how on. Mm-hmm. But I have to say, from 2016, if you're going to rebuild and your rebuild was this poor, that now you don't even know what to do with yourself, your 10 year plan looks pretty shitty to me. It does. It doesn't look good. And if I'm the owner at this point, Halfway through this 10-year plan of yours, Brian, I don't want to see the rest. You can do it at home playing MLB The Show. All right. I don't want you doing this. I don't want you implementing your 10-year plan anymore on my team. And that's where, that's where I'm at with it. And it's like, how, how, how do you do what you did this trade deadline? If you truly believed this team was in it to win it is the new thing. Mm -hmm. How do you not even get a left fielder? How do you not even, how did you not have a left fielder going into the season? How did you, how did you allow Josh Donaldson, Wash Donaldson to go out there as your third baseman? And so my biggest takeaways, and I, and I just want to get to something real quick is that I just want to give a layout of the, of the show real quick. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go through something I'm about to bring up. We have a little because I figured everyone's going to be miserable during this. So we have a little fun. Uh, who wants to be a millionaire Yankee edition at the end nice. with a couple phone of friends. So cool. tune into that. All right. And then to end the show, uh, Christian recorded a little eight minute segment on vacation. Perfect. Where yeah. I'm sure he just rips through the Yankees. I haven't watched it yet. I want to watch it live. Um, that will end the show. So, so stick around for, for the entire show. But here's what I want to get through. And I, I'm going to need your help. And, I'm, and going through this right now, I'm not, I'm not insinuating that these guys were the guys that Cashman should have hung on to. I just want to do this because I want to just put into context how backwards we are right now. Okay. So what I wanted to do was just take a look at some of the guys that Cashman has let go of for the, for the players that are on this team now that he has constructed during this 10-year plan that we keep speaking of. So like the first guy that comes to mind is Jordan Montgomery. And I'm not, and look, again, I defended this move. I'm not saying I understood it. I think Bader brings more to the table because of the postseason. And Jordan Montgomery is not a guy you're going to plan to have pitching in October. However, we have to put this back into context now because 
there were a lot of talks that the Yankees were trying to push Bader out because they probably don't have a plan to, they really don't have any interest in signing him, right? Because the guy's always hurt. He doesn't hit right-handed pitchers. And maybe it seemed like the Yankees were turning on that decision to commit to him long-term because there were too many rumors that he was on the table. And like Mm -hmm. Jordan Montgomery got traded to a team who has World Series, a World Series vision right now in the Rangers, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are his numbers this year? And I honestly, I swear to God, I don't even know. Yeah. I don't even know where they are. So let's not even look at the wins and losses because he he was in a rough stretch. I think at one point he might have even been like one and eight. But he's right now he's six and nine with a three point four two. ERA uh, okay. 21 games, 121 innings, 108 strikeouts. Okay. Whip, his whip is very high at 1.248. And my point in saying this is not to say you shouldn't have made the trade. My point is that you traded a back end of the rotation guy who is easily the best four or five pitcher in a rotation for a guy who we thought who I, in my opinion, is the best center fielder I've ever seen like defensively. Yeah. One of, but a guy that you just showed me and proved to me that you don't have a vision for in the future. And now a team like the Rangers who have the world series right in the, right in front of them, they're clinging on to guys like Jordan Montgomery. He's being included in deals to get guys like Jordan Montgomery. Mm-hmm. And, and the guy we got for him, we're looking to push away or probably not going to sign next year. Yeah. And it's like, Okay, so that's one. Not a great one. Pull up Gary Sanchez's last few games. Yeah, I mean, we could even say Gary Sanchez right now leads the the league for catchers in home runs. Right now he stands at, uh, I believe he hit his 15th. This says 14 here, but, you know, baseball reference doesn't do a good job at updating. Um, Yeah, they take a while. I know he hit two. Let me actually pull up his MLB.com stats here uh no all right uh, that's correct he's got 14 home runs but let's see his last 15 games he's hitting like 255 seven home runs 15 rbi right okay so that's another I'm, again not fighting for gary sanchez to be on this team i'm just making a couple points here that when they were here we didn't value them they didn't play well some of them mm-hmm and we traded him for pieces. Like the reason why I bring up Gary Sanchez is not to, to say that Sanchez shouldn't have been traded. It's to say, what did we get back for him? Josh Donaldson. He's been gone all year. Somehow with a torn, what is it? Calf or whatever the hell he has. He's taking ground balls and BP. Like he's feeling 100% just a week later, which is just shocking to me. And you, yeah, it was you, calf. it was a calf. Big you know, calf. you get rid of you get rid of all these guys to bring in other players that have been utter failures. I'm sorry for me. I love Josh. I love um, Harrison Bader. I love him. Mm-hmm. But we've seen enough now to say, OK, can't hit right hitting pitch, right hitting pitchers. That's a big problem. Mm-hmm. He's injured a lot. He started, first of all, we traded for him in a walking boot. Then he missed the beginning of the season. Then he got hit by a pitch. I know it's a freak thing, but he's back on, you know, injured again. Yeah. And and, sorry, keep going. 
No, I was just going to say, at the end of the day, none of that matters more than the Yankees putting him on the block and 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 exposing the fact that they don't have him in their future vision. Right. You know, and I think what maybe showed that he at one time was in, in their future vision was how great he looked in the postseason last year. Um, and that would have been great if he was more yes. of just a rental last year. And they they made that trade for a rental. But that wasn't a rental trade. That was for last season and this season. So it was bigger than that. So he needed to really perform this year in order for us to be, you know, in that position and consider re-signing him. And he hasn't been that guy, whether he's it's because he's not on the field, but he wasn't he didn't step up when they kind of needed him. These yeah, last couple and, of weeks. And, you know. Volpe had a big home run last night, but yeah. I mean, we can beat this dead horse too. How many guys did we pass up? I mean, you could even look at a guy like Jorge Mateo, who when the Yankees played sure. the, the A's, dude looks pretty deep. I mean, he doesn't look, I'm, I'm not, again, not fighting for Jorge Mateo here, but it's just like, why when they're here? Yeah, but now he's with, he's with Baltimore now. He went to Baltimore. Yeah. And he was playing there. She's like, why when they're here? Is it like we don't know either what they really are, what they're doing. And we're trading for these guys who we just don't truly value or or they don't fit in after we get them. I mean, right now with Severino pitching like a pile of dog shit, Herman going, you know, to rehab and whatever's going on there. What's more valuable to this team moving forward, a Jordan Montgomery or a Harrison Bader, who the Yankees almost traded at the deadline and probably won't resign when he's at the end of his contract? Yeah. And look, and that's and it's you could even say what's more valuable, Jordan Montgomery or Harrison Bader to move on from. And if you are going to bring in Harrison Bader and not bring him back next year then maybe you should have tried moving him for something right for the future. That's that's my point is that if you're going to trade Montgomery for someone, I'm all for it. I get the, I get the thought process behind it, but bring in a guy who you've studied, who you can trust to be in the field, who, you know, I mean, they, again, they traded for him in a walking boot. They knew he yeah. was injury prone. They had to have known looking at his numbers that he struggles against right-handed pitching. Why are we bringing him in? Right. For Jordan Montgomery, instead of someone who we can look at and say, this guy is a, is a guy you want to talk about 10 year plans. Harrison Bader's a 10 year plan for us. He's going to be a, a guy who we see in our long term. Why are we bringing in guys that now we put on the trading block at the trade deadline, but then don't even trade. You know, it's got, did you see that video that was circulating of the like 2012 analytic department, how that's when like the Yankees really took that next level for analytics. And it was like breaking down like Chance Adams, Adams, Kylie, I know Austin Romine, Tyler Wade. And and I think that's because, you know, it's, that's a Bader's an example of that. It's these guys, regardless of injury, regardless of if they're getting them on an injury, if it's a, you know, in a walking boot, if their shoulders screwed up, like Frankie Montas, they're going to do it because the numbers don't lie, Chris, the numbers don't lie. Exactly. That was exactly the whole point that I wanted to get to was that 
I think the reason we're seeing this and the reason why it's so bad is because the human element of the New York Yankees philosophy is completely gone. Yep. And and now we're seeing a team who is so lost. Yeah. That they don't even know where to go from here. Like there's reports coming out that executives around the league are saying that Cashman couldn't even the Marlins, from what I read, had so much interest in Glaber Torres. Yeah. He couldn't even get a, one of their decent starting pitchers because he's asking for too much. Brian, what are you doing? I said to my buddies the other day, he's, he's the Donald Trump of, of baseball GMs. Right. He thinks guys are great. The art of the deal. Because, because Brian Cashman got him here. Yes. So they're way better than they actually are. Look at what my numbers say. I got this guy. Now I'm going to yeah. trade him and he's coming from me. He's great. Yeah. Trust me. No, forget about how many times he was on the IL. Forget about his 189 batting average. Trust me. He's great. And I need more for him. And it's like, what the, f- what are we doing? Yeah. I, look, it comes across to me like these guys have some ego, an ego problem that they really are of, under the belief that they know better than, than everyone else in the league, than any fan in the league that watches any other front office, that they are the end-all, be-all. They know what they're doing. Yeah, and, you know, got to give credit to, to John Boy and Jake, and I know I have my issues with them. Yeah. They've been tougher on the Yankees and Aaron Boone, than I ever thought they would be. And, mm-hmm. But they, they brought up a good point in their show the other day about the left-handed batters. Like, where are the lefties? Where are they? I mean, how many times do we say that on, on here? Too? Oh, yeah, of course. Of there, course. Is Listen, not, there is what? not a Yankee dynasty without a, a left-handed superstar. Yes, and I should have prefaced by saying we've been saying these things for years. Mm-hmm. It's just nice to see more of the mainstream uh, narrative and and reporters and analysts yeah. finally on board with what we've been saying for so long. And I, le- I like to think that and I hope this is the case that the reason because I don't know about you, but I've noticed the last month or so we've we're starting to grow a little bit more. Yes, you say? for sure. For sure. And I think I hope that a lot of that is that, you know, our our dedicated fans, there's so many of you out there and then there's other people that have been hesitant with us that haven't agreed with us. And then maybe now they're kind of seeing the other side of it and saying, well, maybe these guys uh, were kind of onto something here that, that we've kind of, unfor- it's been, unfortunately, I, you know, like we always say, we wish we, we want to be proven wrong here. I'd rather but, be wrong. You know, it's the writing has been on the wall for you. I mean, how, like how many years have we talked about an identity problem? Like that's what yeah. you're saying now. Like they don't have a vision in place. Well, that that's, you know, they've been working to this point for a while because they haven't had an identity for so long. What yeah, kind they, of team is it? What is this team? There's no vision. No. And it's like, that is the problem. The problem is the identity crisis here. Yeah. And that's what happens when you rely on a computer to bring guys in. Yep. That that is their identity. I guess they're like AI, they're artificial intelligence. It just doesn't make sense. And they're, you know, we're at a point now where they're just completely lost. And it's it's really sad to watch. It really is. And and, you know, 
there's so many different layers now that you can break down that it becomes almost overwhelming when you're trying to do a show to like mm-hmm. really touch on everything. I'm just trying to bring up like the key points. And I think the reason why people are really turning on Cashman is because he exposed his hand pretty, pretty dramatically and drastically this in the last few months. And part of that is because anyone defending him with prospects and stuff are, are really starting to see how poor the Yankees are with nurturing them, calling them up, trading them for the right guys. And another guy we have to talk about is, is, is Peraza. I mean, yeah, man. here's another guy who is a top prospect and, and could have been huge for this team. And I'm sorry, it, the longer he's a Yankee, the more his career is ruined, I think, at this point. It's it's looking like he's going to, you know, have that same trajectory as a lot of uh, failed Yankee prospects. He needs to have a chance. He needs to get a chance. And what better time than now to really just give him some sort of consistent playing time? Yeah. And um, and my and point of bringing got, up and Everson Pereira is another one. But yeah, keep Pereira. Yeah. Apparently yeah. he may be talked, coming up. Yeah, they've met. They brought his name up. So yeah, maybe what, that's in September, sign. maybe. Yeah, September. Yeah, right. When this right. team's done. Yeah. Um, but my point of bringing up talking Yanks and, and what they've been doing is because I do watch the clips of the certain questions they ask Boone and how he answers. And two things come of it. Two things come to mind when I watch them. One, do I like Boone? No. Do I think he's the man for the job? No. Do I think the way he responds is appropriate? No. I think when you're the head of a team that's playing like shit, you don't have a right to get nasty with hard questions. Mm. But I almost said it, but (laughs) nice catch though. Good. You're getting better. But does part of me empathize with the fact that he's the face of the bigger problem? Like, I don't as much as I want Boone gone and as much as I genuinely uh, really believe he's just the worst guy for the job. Do I really think he's the problem? No, I don't. I don't think he's the problem. I think I think part of his frustration is like, well, fuck you, man. Like. This is what I'm being told to do. This is what was given to me. And it's got to get frustrating after a while. And I get that. But again, I don't agree with how he answers. But the biggest problem I have with the Yankees now, and I tweeted this the other day, is that they just are the least trans. They've become the least transparent team. And it's become a fucking smoke show. Right. That's and that's the big thing. Look, if you don't want to be transparent with us, I get it. You you don't you you want to keep things, you know, private, whatever. But don't give me this false positivity and the, and this delusion of of what we're witnessing here. That's where it becomes very very frustrating. And I, and I don't know, man. Do you do they really believe this? Because you saw that was the best part of that interview with with Booney this week, was when you know 
John Boy kind of says, you you really think that this team is good. Yeah. Like, what do you what kind of passive aggressive little comment you yeah. just made there? We think well, we know we're not gonna roll over. Right. Stuff like that. And it's like, you really do think that this team is built for uh, a World Series. I just I don't see it. Look at the competition throughout the American League. Just compare your compare them to other teams in your head. They are nowhere near the Houston Astros. They're nowhere near the Texas Rangers. Yeah. Nowhere near he... the Baltimore Orioles. The Tam- Tampa Bay is interesting because they at least have the rivalry aspect there. But I haven't seen them compare to some of these big names. No. Big teams. And the way he phrased the question, I believe, was this, he said the scary part for me mm-hmm. is that you that, you know, the Yankees see this team constructed and moving forward as guys who are you know, the right guys to win and blah, blah, blah. And meanwhile, the Mets are admitting that what they put together was bad and they need to totally different though, Chris, totally different. Right. But, and now here's where I'm going to defend Boone a little bit. If I'm the manager of the Yankees, it's not my job to have that vision of what the team's going to be. My job is to take what's given to me and being confident in that I'm good enough to lead this team. The way Boone answers is the problem where he says, what kind of passive aggressive comment is that? The way you answer something like that is exactly the what I just said. Look, I'm the manager. I'm not in charge of constructing this team. I every day show up to the ballpark with a certain amount of guys that I, am, I have eligible to me to put forth the best team possible on that day. If you want to have if you want to have issues with my lineups, if you want to have issues with guys I go to in the bullpen, that's fine. But it's not my job to have a vision moving forward. So it's my job to sit here and tell you that I'm good enough and be confident in myself and this team that I'm given that I can make them successful. And if you have other questions, you can try and get in touch with Brian Cashman on the vision of this team. But that's not my job. My job is to stay focused on day-to-day um, operations within the game and to make sure I'm leading this team well. If you want to criticize me on that, that's fine. That's fair. I might not agree with you, but that's my job. And instead, it's like he's the defender yes. for Brian Cashman. And this yeah. whole narrative and this whole false, this smokescreen of what we're supposed to believe of this franchise. And that's the frustrating part. It's like I'm turning on fucking CNN Yep. And listening to politician. It really is. It's turned into this whole like he's a figurehead trying to promote the brand. And, you know, and that's that's that it's turned into this whole brainwash of a thing. So, at you know. When you look at it and you step back, you really just you're you realize you're supporting a hopeless cause mm-hmm. and. And, you know, you hope this team can kind of feed off of what they did last night where they showed up and you hope you get more days like that. But I guess I want to end this before we get into millionaire, unless you have more stuff you want to talk about. No, I guess the last thing I just want to talk about is, is to ask you, do you think this team has a chance of making the postseason at all anymore? Yeah, no, I I think any team, my, my, piece is always if you're within four games going into September in any playoff position you can make it you can you can make it they have it uh, like oh my god I almost just said they have it right in front of them yeah well Holy that's crap. a good one oh 
But, you know, they do, they are going to be facing Boston a few more times. They have this huge series against Houston right now, although Houston might have pulled in front of um, the Rangers, right, for the AL West. So that might not even matter. That's not even a team that you're going to have to worry about jumping. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that that would be Texas. So right now, Houston, oh no, so Houston is a, is a half game out of the uh al west so yeah you you would have to jump over houston i mean look if they let's just let's just put it out there if they sweep let's say they sweep the houston astros they are only a game behind the astros in the loss column so it's definitely it's definitely still there they still have a chance um i just i don't know if i can believe that this team will execute and 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 pull this off and I just want to articulate this. I want to try to articulate this a little better than I did before. My my reason for bringing up the guys that Cashman has let go of or traded or whatever is not to necessarily suggest that the trades at the time were bad or that Gary Sanchez should still be the catcher or that Jorge Mateo should be our shortstop. My point is that when you look at guys around the league who the Yankees have let go of, who, who they didn't really value, or who didn't succeed here, but then are succeeding elsewhere, it kind of exposes all the issues, right? It exposes the toxic environment yeah. of guys not thriving. It yeah, exposes... I mean, look yeah. at Joey, Joey Gallo has kind of gone back, but I mean, look at even Gary Sanchez. He leads the league in uh, National League in home runs for a catcher. Still averaged very, very low. But, but. the point is that it also exposes the the lack of vision because yeah. again, just a guy like Gary Sanchez, fine, I agree. You need to get rid of him. But who did you bring? IKF deserves a lot of credit. I think IKF has been really great, but is he a guy who leads the charge of the pile that you that you you know jump on each other at the end of a World Series win? Like is IKF the guy that you need there for that to happen? How has Wash Donaldson been? Has he been the guy? Like, these are the years now where when you're making trades, when you're signing guys, you're building around Garrett Cole and Aaron Judge. They don't have much. To, time goes quick, man. People forget Aaron Judge came up later in his career. Garrett Cole is going to hit the end, you know, the later years of his career soon. The time is right now. Josh Donaldson is not a right now move. Volpe was not a right now move. I agree with it because of all the guys they passed on. And maybe those guys aren't having good years. I don't care. It would have at least proven to me that the Yankees had a vision to win within the next couple of years. And they don't. There is zero urgency in this team. There is zero vision in this team. And there is zero accountability. And we see that more and more every single day and the vision it's blurry it's not if they even do have a vision like because come on i mean look they brought in josh donaldson to to try and win a world series i think he was a piece to come in he's making he was making 25 million at a year at the time which makes it worse by the way yeah keep going and 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 was still somewhat of a relevant player i think he had a down year but then he f figured it out in minnesota it's just, you know, you bring him in and it's like, what? like at the time, I feel that 
we were a bit confused by it, bringing him in and getting rid of Geo. I, I, I didn't, I don't remember liking that deal originally. That I thought the money was wasn't worth just dumping the 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 players that they dumped, you know, to get rid of Sanchez. <laughs> well, well, yeah. The problem was that when you usually do a deal like that, it's to free up money. Well, no. They were really trying to free up their roster, I'd say, at that point, or free themselves of Gary Sanchez and bring on a a guy that they thought was, you know, Josh, they thought something higher than Josh Donaldson. Right, like Cashman made that move. It wasn't to get Josh Donaldson to make the team better. It was to get rid of Gary Sanchez. That seemed Mm -hmm. to be more of the priority at that point. Yeah, and, and to pay a guy that they thought was going to, you know, still be a, a big piece. And well, an that's offense. that I'm glad you just brought that point back up and, and we'll, we can wrap up on this. You said, you know, I, I think they brought him here with the intention of, you know, him helping them win a world series. Maybe that's true. And if it is true, that's my biggest issue. Sure. And that's, is that the Gary, is, wrong. is that, is that Josh Donaldson is not the answer. He's no. just not the answer. And how do you not see that? We were the only ones that adamantly said he was done. And everyone else, no, he's coming yeah, back, he's man. This is going to be the year. Season. Come on. No. It, it's just crazy. No, crazy. It's, he, it, he's the epitome of what's been wrong with this team. Uh, you know, they, we, you know, they spend the money. They just don't spend it wisely. They spend $25 million AAV on players, but those players are nicknamed Wash Donaldson. Yeah, well, I said this when I when I joined Pete um, the other day, and then obviously, like I said, we'll get into a millionaire here, but I said this when I joined Pete the other day for anyone who wasn't watching or listening in that segment is, you know, I've been really thinking about the biggest issues and and the biggest issue with Hal is, okay, you want a guy, you want a GM who's going to spend your money wisely and stay under the luxury tax. That's fine. You're the owner. You're allowed to feel that. And you still have a huge payroll. I can't call you cheap. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. But you can't have both things. You can't, you can't ask your GM to build you a World Series caliber team, but stay under the luxury tax. And also continue to hire the guy who has proven time and time again that he can't do it. And if you are going to hire the guy who has proven year and year again that he can't do it, then you owe the fans at least at the minimum to not worry about the luxury tax. Then if if Kat, if you want to hire the guy who clearly can't do the job you want to do, then you have to take all limits off any money. Like if mm-hmm. Cashman was was Cohen's GM, I guarantee you Cashman would be great. He'd still be relevant. Sure. But you can't have the <laughs> best of both worlds. The fans aren't going to go for it. No. I can't support a guy and his team that... You want to keep hiring this guy over and over again to do a job he can't do, and you're not willing to 
you're not willing to do whatever it takes to make up for his mistakes. That's the problem. You know, that that's it right there. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 it. That's it. All right. You ready to get into millionaire? Let's do it, dude. Let's do it. All right. So let me let's let's see here. We'll do we'll do. Um, I'll give you some lifelines. We are going to do a phone a friend. You could phone somebody, whoever you want, a friend of the podcast. OK, we'll we'll try to get in touch with somebody. Hopefully they pick up. I could even maybe throw in a hint if you want a hint for one of them. We're only going to do like four questions. Okay. All right. But I do think that these questions kind of tie into what we've been talking about this entire episode. Maybe, maybe. Maybe. So, so let's get down to it. All right. Okay. All right. So question one. And this will be multiple choice, similar to who wants to be a millionaire. Am I playing the suspense music during this? No, uh, no, you could play. Yeah, you could play the suspense music while you are trying to answer this. Okay, not including the 2020s. So let's let's not include the 2020s because we're still in the early stages of it. All right. So just completed decades. What is the only decade since 1920? The New York Yankees have not appeared in a World Series. Is it a the 1930s? B the 1960s, C, the 2010s, or D, the 1980s? Okay. Um, I know they won a few in the 1960s. Okay. Uh, only decade. Remember, it's just appeared to not appear. Okay. Um, I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to go C, 2010s. Final answer. Final answer. You sure? I'm sure. Final answer. You are <sighs> correct. It was. <sighs> it was the 2010s. Okay. Since 1920, the only decade that the New York Yankees have not appeared in a World Series has been the 2010s. Uh, 1980s, they didn't win a World Series. However, However. they did appear in the 1981 World Series lost to the Dodgers in about six games. All right. So question one, you got correct. Moving on. You want to cash out now or you want to keep playing? I'm going to keep playing. I'm going to risk it. All right. Let's keep going. Question two. What is the longest World Series appearance drought in New York Yankees franchise history? So the longest time span in which the New York Yankees failed to appear in a World Series. Is it A, 14 years? Is it B, 18 years? Is it C, 12 years? Or is it D, 15 years? Can I use a 50-50 here? Sure. Well, maybe we can get rid of one right out of the gate. Can we get rid of just one? Sure. All right. So which one can you knock off right away? that, That should be one that you can quickly get rid of 18 years okay but there is another one i will because that was the one i was going to get rid of 18 years is actually the new york yankees longest world series win drought that was uh they went from um uh 78 1978 to 1996 uh that was uh their world series win drought but why don't we also eliminate c because right now they are past 12 years in terms of okay World Series uh, appearance drought. So that leaves either A or D, 14 years or 15 years. Um, uh, Actually, right now it would be 
Um, I'm not going to say that. Go okay, ahead. Okay, let me play the music. So it's A or B, you said, correct? A or D. A it's or a dog. Dick. Um, I'm going to have to go with A, 14 years. You know, I meant to change A to 13 years because that's their current drought. But if the Yankees fail to appear in a World Series this year, it will be 14 years. Um, but the longest drought was actually D. Damn. It was uh, the span of 1981 to 1996. So that was a 15-year span without appearing in a so World I gotta, Series. I, but I have the Yankees, friends, right? You do, you do, and you know, well, well, I'll give you, I'll give you another sh- crack at this. You know, I think you might have forgot about the lifeline factor, okay, um, involved. So, you know what? Let's let's just scratch that question. All right, uh, we'll go into this one. But you know, if they don't do it this year, that'll be fourteen years, and they have one more year to to kind of salvage um, this this um, sort of drought that they are. This could be the worst drought in franchise history. All right, so here we go. Here is question number three. You ready? I'm ready. Chris, which Yankees general manager holds the franchise record for most consecutive years without a World Series win or appearance? Now, keep in mind, this general manager may have won a World Series in during his tenure. I'm talking about the most consecutive years where they were hired. They were part of the organization in which they did not win or appear in a World Series. Okay. 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 So, um, all right. So can I, I'm going to phone a friend. So let here. me, let me, let me do the multiple choice. First. Okay. We sorry. Either, we got okay. either a, a Brian Cashman, B Gene stick, Michael C Bob Watson or D Woody Woodward. Okay. Well, since I have Cashman on my speed dial, can I, I'm going to phone a friend. I'm going to phone Brian Cashman. You're going to call up a friend, a friend of the pod, Brian Cashman, right? I now. am actually the Yankees general manager, a little right phone, now. phone, a friend. All right, go for it. Uh, hello. Hey, Brian. Yeah. Who's calling? Uh, it's Chris. I'm on Millionaire. I have a quick question for you. All right. Um, and then after I'm done uh, yeah. reading the question, you're going to have okay. 30 seconds to answer. Okay. Okay. All right. Time go starts ahead. now. Sorry, in front of us. Which Yankees GM holds the franchise record? For most consecutive years without a World Series win or appearance, is it A, Brian Cashman, B, Gene Stigmichael, C, Bob Watson, or D, Woody Woodward? Uh, well, you know, Bob Watson, he was the general manager right before me. Uh, Gene Stigmichael also in the 90s. Uh, don't think it's me uh, leaving one choice and one choice only. I'd have to go with Woody Woodward. I mean, uh, how much Woody could he Woody Chucky Chucky if a Woody Chucky could he Chucky would. Uh, so I'm going D. All right. Looks like we just lost connection there with Cash. He's saying Woody Woodward. Yeah, I don't know. I think because this was actually a very productive phone a friend because I trust the complete opposite of what Brian Cashman thinks at this point. And he said, I remember him saying it's definitely not him. 
So that would have to make the answer A, Brian Cashman, final answer. So you're saying Brian Cashman has the most consecutive years without a World Series win or appearance? Correct. You are correct, Chris. Brian Cashman has now gone uh, 13, going on 14 years without an appearance or a win. Gene Stick Michael, he was the Yankee GM from 1990 to 1995. Uh, they did not win in that time, but let's you know not forget there was a strike year that year. Then Bob Watson took over for a year in between. Then, of course, we are with Cashman. Woody Woodward was an actual general manager. He was the um, GM of the Yankees in 1987, followed mm. by Lou, Lou Pinella was the GM in 1988. Uh, they had seven different general managers in the 1980s. So those those that failed decade came with it. A lot of different voices, almost too much. But now we only have one. So it's almost too little. We need to find a middle ground here, okay. some sort of way. But yeah, the correct answer was Brian. The lion Cashman. Cash. Right. So good job. You got it, Chris. We are down mm-hmm. to the final question here. All right. We got one more question. This is a million dollars on the line. Wow. All right. So here we go. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Since 1908, what Yankees manager has the longest tenure without ever winning a World Series? Wow. Is it A, Ralph Houck? B, Aaron Boone, C, Lou Pinella, or D, Roger Peckinpah. Okay. Um, so I I have one more phone a friend, correct? Yes, you do actually have one more. We are going to give you two for uh, this game. Okay. So I'm going to pick a guy who's been following the team for a long time, who's been reporting on them for a long time. Um, and has seen a lot of guys throughout the years. I'm going to phone Mikey Francesor. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Give him a call. See what All he's right. got. Let's do it. Uh, hello. Who's this? Hello. Hi, Mike. Okay. It's uh, Chris. I'm on uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire Yankee Edition. Okay. Okay. I have a, a quick question for you, and okay. you're going to have 30 seconds to answer once I'm done asking the question. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Go All ahead. right. Time's going to start right now. Okay. Go ahead. Since 1908, what Yankees manager has the longest tenure without ever winning a World Series? Is it A, Ralph Houck, B, Aaron Boone, C, Lou Piniella, or D, Roger Peckinpah? Uh, Okay, well, it's not Piniella. Okay, he was GM for a year. Okay, uh, or he was the manager. Okay, Mike, you have 30 seconds and it's uh, he dwindling down. He was a down. good manager. Uh, he was kind of going in, in and out with Billy Martin. Okay, they'd fire Billy. They'd hire okay, Lou. Hurry. okay, Mike, your time's it's running not, out. It's not Peckinpah. Okay, he he was 1914. Okay, so okay, it wasn't Peckinpah. Uh... Ah, Chris, I'm sorry. Okay, that was really unhelpful. It doesn't look like he really helped you too much, but he did kind of, it does sound like he eliminated C and uh, D with Pinella and Peckinpah. He sounded somewhat confident that it wasn't uh, those two responses. I'm going to use uh, process process of elimination here. Um, Ralph Houck, I know um, he definitely, he was the manager in 61 and he won that World Series. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I remember when Aaron Boone signed that last contract, everyone was shocked because he had already been the longest tenured Yankee manager without winning a World Series. I'm going to go for a million dollars. B, Aaron Boone, final answer. Well, Chris, unfortunately, since we are living in this era of Aaron Boone's New York Yankees, I hate to tell you that you just won a million dollars. Aaron Boone is the longest tenured Yankee without ever winning a we World Series. You were, you were right. Ralph Halk was the manager in 61. He was the manager up until 1963. They also won in 62. They liked him so much, they decided to promote him to general manager for a little bit. That didn't work out. He comes back as the manager in 1966. But so that he actually does have the longest span without winning a World Series there from 1966 to 1973. He doesn't win uh, a World Series. So seven years is the longest a manager has gone without winning a World Series. But Ralph Houck did have those early six, that early 60s dynasty is arguably the greatest Yankees team ever. So the only answer then is the Boonster, Aaron Boone. What a great time it is to be a Yankee fan. As they one might say, it could be the best time to be a Yankee fan. Okay. It's it's right in front of us. It's right in front of us, guys. There it is. That's it. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. All right, man. That was fun, actually. Thank you for playing. That was was fun. fun. It's a good time. Thank you to our uh, callers. You know, Francesa, maybe next time can. Although he did, you know, he did at least get you it didn't, didn't sound like he confirmed any answers but you know, no he was really unhelpful yeah. okay yeah, peck and peck and poor Penella, okay <laughs> uh all right so like i said we're gonna end this and uh it's gonna it's gonna go right into christian's uh i think it's about an eight minute rant here on the yankees i'm sure uh everyone will enjoy that and uh again august 19th there's no tickets involved. Show up to Lido's yeah. restaurant in North Arlington. Come hang out. Um, come they're, hang out. They're We're playing the, a, the Sox too. They're they're the playing Sox. Boston, so it'll be a fun game to watch. Yeah, and guess what? Boston's ahead of us as of right now. So watch us they're, watch the game. Okay, okay. have a drink. Eat We're a, gonna a slice do pizza. We're gonna do a live show. We might have a little trivia challenge between me and SGR. Hey, hey. and live, uh, live edition, and, and it's gonna be fun. Apparently, uh, the owner there has some drink specials going out. Cool. So it's going to be a fun time. And then uh, September 23rd is our is our event at the stadium. And uh, again, if you're listening anywhere on YouTube, give us some likes, subscribe, subscribe to the show on Spotify. You can watch our video on Spotify now. Uh, Apple Music, please leave us a five star rating and review. And uh, SGR. Go Yanks. And uh, Christian, take it away, man. What's up, everybody? Let's walk and talk here, all right? You know, I'm on vacation, and I thought I wasn't going to do anything while I was away, but this can't wait till we get back, all right? So it's Wednesday morning. I'm not really sure when the fellas are recording here this week, but just to give you a time reference, right? So yesterday, the Yankees proved to you just how inept of an organization they are, all right? And I'm not gonna, I'm really gonna try not to curse here because I'm on the beach, okay? And uh, there's families around, so we're gonna, we're, not, we're gonna try to keep it a little cleaner here than we usually do. But, you know, yesterday the Yankees proved what an inept organization they are and just how unserious 
they are about winning. Yes, unserious. So, you know, that's a very popular word that a lot of people are just throwing around right now these days, right? Where'd you hear that word first? Hey, I don't really like taking bows and patting ourselves on the back, but you know, we've been trying to point this stuff out for two, three years now about how unserious the Yankees are about winning. And now everybody sees it, right? The Yankees yesterday had an opportunity to do two things. One, they had an opportunity to kind of reset themselves for 2024, get some expiring contracts out of the way, and maybe pick up a few prospects along the way. Not really something I'm thrilled about because I don't like selling seasons down the, down the drain, especially when you got your, uh, your all-star MVP uh, in Aaron Judge and Garrett Cole, the, who's probably going to win the Cy Young this year, having, you know, pissing away more of their prime, right? Okay. So, but you could do that, right? You could do that. And based on where this team is, can't really make an argument against it, right? Okay. They don't do that. What they do do is add to the team, right? We're going to go for it. We're going to build and we're going to try to make a push this year. They don't even do that. They don't they, they didn't do that. They added they added two players, a journeyman uh reliever who, you know, you look at his his numbers and okay, you know, you let Matt Blake get in there and 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 he could work it out, right? But the guy's a rental. We picked him up for 2 months. I mean, what what was the point of that? Just because you didn't want to protect Juan Corella on the uh, on the forty man, this is what you get in return for him. And then some guy with like a seventy ERA, great. And then after the game, you know, if you had a Yankee propaganda machine bingo card of what Brian Cashman was going to say during the game in his press conference, you would have you would have hit it. I mean, you would have hit every one of those squares. This guy actually had the nerve to tell you that the big additions are getting back Loisica and Nestor Cortez. I mean, I've said this once, I say a hundred times. This is not getting, you did, you did nothing to improve the team, getting your injured players back. You don't take bows over that, okay? And... I'm just so insanely frustrated with the way this team is run, the way this organization is run. It, it, it just it, it eats at me in my soul that this is the team I love and they can't put it together. I say this all the time. I just want at the end of the at the end of the season, I just want to be able to go to bed if they don't win the World Series and say at least they did everything in their power to try to win. And I haven't been able to do that because they don't. Brian Cashman tells you yesterday that, that what they did yesterday was the best course of action for this team. No, it wasn't. This team sucks. Let's be realistic. This is a terrible baseball team. Outside of Garrett Cole and Aaron Judge, this team is pathetic. And you did nothing to help 2024. And you did nothing to help 2023. So you know, and, and again, repeating myself 110 times, you know, house Steinbrenner, oh, house cheap, house cheap, $280 million, dude. I mean, what do you want? What more do you want him to sink into this disaster? He lets Brian Cashman spend the money with no end in sight of getting rid of him. Okay. That's where you get mad at house Steinbrenner. 
And then you got to hear friggin' budgetary reasons. They were up against a budget. Okay, fine. He doesn't want to go over to Cointax. He shouldn't need to to be able to put a winner on the field. This is what a lot of fans don't understand. You don't need... Look at what the Mets just did. The Mets are the biggest financial bust in the history of Major League Baseball. You shouldn't need to spend that type of money to put a winner on the field. But, you know, if you have a budget and you're spending $21 million on Wash Donaldson, you failed as a general manager. And at the, you know, and then we're going to look at it come uh, the end of the season. And I, and if you follow me on Twitter, you probably saw a video I posted on Tuesday morning. Uh, Nine, I'll put it at now, I'll put it even at 95% after how they just got waxed again. Rodon looks lost, you know, four walks, four runs, and four innings. You know, they have one good, like I said, they got one good pitcher, they got one good hitter. You can't win that way. But this is the team that Brian Cashman has put together. So I'll put it at 95% right now. That this team is not making the postseason because they're in the seventh position in the wild card. So that means they got to jump four teams to get a playoff spot. And does anybody have any hope that this team has got anything left in them to make a run? Because again, after the Yankees passed on making any type of decent improvement to this team at the trade deadline, they sat two of the regular players in a game they needed to win. Stan and Bader were on the bench on Tuesday. So when this comes to fruition and the Yankees don't win, uh, make a playoff spot, somebody's going to get fired and somebody needs to get fired and they're going to scapegoat Aaron Boone, right? And he needs to go, plain and simple. He's got to go. He's not the man for the job. But until Hal Steinbrenner wakes up and realizes that Brian Cashman isn't the man for the job we're gonna this is just gonna be a whole big circle that we go around in every single year okay so i'll end it with this it's went a little longer than i thought i hope the fellas you know holding it down doing a great job without me there right and i'll end it with this i'll never tell anybody not to be a fan i'll never tell anybody they should be a fan Everybody does what they want to do, right? You don't want to support the team anymore. That's perfectly fine. And I get it. You don't want to go to Yankee Stadium anymore. You don't want to spend money on this team anymore. That's perfectly fine. I get it. And who would really want to with the way that this this organization has been run? But I'll say this because it's it's the truth. I don't root for the organization. I don't root for the front office. I root for the uniform. And that's why I'll always be a Yankee fan. That's why I'll probably still be out there at least once or twice more this season because I root for the uniform, man. I root for the guys in it. And unfortunately, right now, the guys that are in charge of putting the players in that uniform are not good at their job. All right, everybody, take it easy, and I'll see you next week.